Welcome to Slutty Activism, the podcast that teaches you to fight fascism with your genitals. Really, you can become the change you want to see in the world by becoming an extraordinary lover. No experience necessary. I'm your host, certified sex coach and professional sexual revolutionary, Sarah Martin. Let's get started. Hello, friend. Okay, pull up a seat because I'd like to share a little story. Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, I was out on a date with a Hungarian man. This was in 2013 in London, and I was newly single after splitting up with my ex-husband. I was more or less a total noob when it came to dating as an adult. I'd met this guy on OkCupid and asked him out for a date, and I suggested we go to the embankment. So if you've ever seen the Houses of Parliament, you know, Big Ben on TV, the embankment is the long promenade on the other side of the river, and I'd suggested we go there to take a walk and have a drink in the Utterbelly Garden. And just sidebar for anyone who's like, Big Ben is the bell inside of the clock tower at the Houses of Parliament. Yes, I know. I'm fully aware. It's just to make it clear for anybody who hasn't been to London what I'm talking about. Anyway, on with the story. <laughs> Together, we wandered around. We discovered a pop-up art gallery. We ate ice cream and drank beer. And we enjoyed some summer sun. We talked about any and everything. And then we watched the sunset while sitting in the grass in the park. I asked him if he might want to go for another date, as I'd, I'd really enjoyed myself. Oh, thank you so much for a wonderful evening. It's a no from me. You're just not feminine enough for what I'm looking for. <sighs> it was like I'd been punched in the gut. We walked back to Waterloo Station, and he gave me a friendly wave as he disappeared into the underground. And I walked to my train platform, feeling kind of dazed and crestfallen as I hopped on the train and rode the rails back to Wimbledon. Was this going to be impossible for me to ever find someone again? Do I just fail at being a woman? One of the most common themes I see when people talk about dating or sex has to do with gender, and not in a positive or affirming way. Instead, there's a lot of talk about what men want or what women want or biological mating strategies or hypergamy and so on and so on. The internet is full of people lamenting on forums about how men are violent, how women are manipulative, how it's written into our biology and therefore inescapable. <sighs> so we need to be ready to do battle. Gender is framed as one big power struggle where men and women, by their very nature, have opposing interests, but can only meet those needs by extracting something from the other. A lot of common advice suggests that the best thing to do is just accept that this is the way things are and therefore be a bit cold and calculating about how to get the best outcome for yourself. Sex winds up getting framed as transactional, 
just one more transaction in the dating or sexual marketplace. And in that model, sex is a means to another end, maybe to validation, to affirming your manhood, to affirming your femininity, to securing emotional connection, to ensuring faithfulness and loyalty. The idea that men and women are fundamentally different from each other, perhaps even two different species or from two different planets, is absolutely everywhere, from mass media to the children's toy aisle to political debate and schoolyard taunts. Boys will be boys. Good girls are seen and not heard. He just wants to sow his wild oats. She says no, but she really means yes. Big boys don't cry. Why would they buy the cow if they can get the milk for free? Look, the next thing I'm about to say will make a lot of people really uncomfortable. It will probably be controversial. It might make you decide, oh my God, fuck this podcast. Look, I'm ready for it and I stand by it. If you have thought that men or women just are a certain way before, you're not wrong. There really are people who think this way. There really are men who just want to use you like a sex toy. There really are women who just want your money. There are sexist people who will judge you in a sexist way and find you lacking. You probably have had experiences that totally match up with gender stereotypes. I've had clients tell me, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Sarah, but listen, I was seeing a girl once. I was doing the right thing, asking her for consent every step of the way. We had sex and I thought everything was great. But then she dumped me and said, me asking all the time spoils the mood that she just wants to be taken. Or, sure, uh, but here's the thing. Every guy I've dated has cheated on me with someone else. I'm a great person. I'm loyal and kind, and yet that doesn't seem to matter when someone else hotter than me comes along. Men just seem like sex-crazed monsters. Or, I'm tired of my boyfriends just treating me like a sex vending machine where they put in affection and expect sex to fall out. Or, I have had a woman ridicule me to my face when I decided to be vulnerable and share that I'm a virgin. She said I was pathetic. Women are cruel. How am I ever supposed to lose my virginity when I'm such a loser? The reason you've likely had at least one experience like these is because sexist behaviors are common among the population at large. Gender stereotypes in dating and sex are descriptive. They exist and persist precisely because they accurately portray an experience that's common enough to be recognizable. The good news is that gender stereotypes are not prescriptive. Human beings are not destined to a specific fate because of their sex. You aren't guaranteed to be any sort of way by virtue of your gender. There's nothing in your biology that obliges you to any sort of gendered types of expression. Despite all of the evolutionary psychologists who would argue to the contrary, I can prove this to you right now. Hey friend. If you're ready to change the world by enjoying deeply pleasurable, more connected, and satisfying sexual experiences, then head over to sluttyactivism.com. That's sluttyactivism.com to get started. Okay, now back to the show. 
So follow me here. If all of the behaviors that get ascribed to gender were just a product of biology, so if that really just were the way things are, then would we need to work so fucking hard to try and keep humans inside of these boxes? If women really were biologically destined to be meek, submissive, or uninterested in sex, would there have needed to be centuries of laws against and crackdowns on female sexuality? Or if men were really biologically destined to only be sexually desirous of women, promiscuous, and always ready to fuck, would there have ever been laws against and crackdowns on gay men? How could there be monogamous men or low-desire men in that paradigm? If any of these stereotypical inclinations that we ascribe to gender were biologically determined, you'd expect, I don't know, at most a couple of outliers— But on the whole, it would be so unremarkable that we wouldn't bother ourselves all that much about it. We'd probably have some customs and norms, but we wouldn't have violent oppression. Think about it. We drink water naturally. We eat food to get calories to power our body naturally. We sneeze naturally. Uh, We fart naturally. We have some customs and norms around these behaviors, But we don't have witch hunts or laws about locking people up for the rest of their lives if they fart wrong or don't fart enough. (laughs) And when I'm working with my clients, what typically happens now is that they agree with me that assuming biology determines most things about who and how we are as sexual beings is bullshit. My clients can usually immediately identify that this isn't true for them though they may have had shame about their divergences or a worry that it actually was only them. That's really common. And then, in the same breath, they'll say something like, but if this way of thinking, engendered stereotypes, is how it is for most people, then isn't it counterproductive to think about the ways these stereotypes aren't true? Won't I be better off learning strategies that work for the real world Rather than this horny utopia that you talk about, Sarah, I want to be realistic here. So, now it's time for me to lay down the second uncomfortable truth of this episode. I am braced and ready for the hate mail. If you don't release these sexist views about yourself, your potential partners, and sex and dating, you will struggle to see or experience anything outside of them. Until you are open to the possibility that it's not just you that is different, but that there is a growing movement of people who diverge from these restrictive norms, you will remain blind to the community of hedonists all around you right now. Yes, even if you live in a conservative city or country. Yes, even if you live in a small town. Yes, even if your culture is dominated by a conservative religion, uh, often especially so in those cases. I get that it isn't an easy mental transition to make. It can feel like a massive leap of faith, and that's because it is, especially if you've never experienced a sex-positive community before, especially if the only examples of relationships you've ever seen in real life have followed the set in stone relationship escalator formula of dating, engaged, married. Especially if you're getting divorced 
or otherwise ending a long relationship where your hopes have been dashed and where you wound up surprised by how lonely it's possible to feel even when you're in a relationship with someone else. It's tough. Let's not pretend it isn't. Making the choice to go against the grain of society and culture is hard. It's really vulnerable. It's also the pathway to liberation. If you want relationships where sex is a collaboration rather than a transaction, if you want to experience the rush of asking for what you actually really deeply want, if you want relationships infused with honesty, compassion, care, and pleasure, if you want sexuality to occupy a prime and important place in your relationships rather than being something that, quote unquote, isn't all that important, you can have all of these experiences and more. And you can do it in a way that is free from coercion. And you can do it as you are right now. You don't need to make more money or lose more weight or act more alpha or be more feminine. But the price of admission is admitting that playing to the gendered stereotypes when that's not the kind of relationship you actually want is a rigged game where you will lose. And committing to look at the sex and dating landscape now with new eyes. When you run into folks who are playing that game, wish them well. You're not doing anything wrong. You will have more people to weed out when you become a slutty activist. It's a fact. When you finally start to find the others, the slutty activists in your midst, approach them with kindness and curiosity, whether they go on to become your partners or not. The more you begin to release the belief that this is just the way things are, the more you will begin to spot the opportunities for community, connection, and pleasure that surround you. How do I know? <laughs> because I've been helping people find their way out of general population and into sexual liberation since 2016. I have seen this mindset transformation happen for people all over the world. It is possible for you too. When you're able to approach your potential partners as people, to become really curious about who they are without making assumptions on the basis of gender or sex, you open up the possibility for true intimacy, whether you are together for one night or the rest of your lives. This openness towards yourself and others is the way to true connection. So, while it's true that there are a lot of stereotypes and normative behaviors associated with gender in society and culture, these stereotypes are descriptive, not prescriptive. The way out of these narrow and restrictive roles is a commitment to releasing these stereotypes from your own heart and mind, and to instead adopting curiosity, openness, and acceptance of other, sluttier ways of being. If you are up to this significant challenge, you are taking another step as a slutty activist. Because, as usual, when you make this kind of change, it doesn't stop with you. Your rejection of narrow, restricting gender roles will have an impact on your friends and family members. When you find other slutty activists in the wild, you strengthen the movement. You prove to them that they are not alone, that there are others like them that more and more slutty activists are being made every day, and that there is reason to hope. You change your local dating pool for the better. Every time you wish someone well, when it becomes clear that they want to put you in a box you don't want to be in, 
you potentially give them pause for thought. When you meet rejection with thank you, you interrupt the usual patterns of conversation. When you offer a direct rejection on the grounds of not playing the gender stereotype game, you will surprise others. You become a light in the darkness and offer others the opportunity to see. Whether or not they take it is up to them. Can you see it yet? (laughs) You can become a powerful catalyst for change and have more pleasurable, connected experiences at the same time. Slutty activism, while challenging personal growth work, is also one hell of a virtuous cycle. So what do you say? Come join me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to sluttyactivism.com and learn how you can get started changing the world with pleasure. Also, make sure to follow the show so that you get notified when I drop a new episode. And if you want to connect with other like-minded people, come join us in Certainty for Overthinkers, the Slutty Activism Podcast Community Facebook group. Hope to see you there.